Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're talking about how economic value added, called EVA, increases your profitability. We're going to show you how to increase your profitability by recognizing your cost of capital. We're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. Welcome, Bruce. Uh, good morning, Rachel. Um, this this um, concept may be very uh, seem very complicated to a lot of people, but I think it's for business owners, they really need to think about this before they make any moves. I can remember actually doing this when I own my auto repair business. Um, when I say I did it, I did it in the wrong way. I didn't think about how buying mm-hmm. something with my capital, my cash, uh, it, it, there wasn't the same sense of urgency than when you actually had a loan on it and you were trying to make sure you were producing revenue to pay for at least the loan interest. So this is right. a, a really good concept that people need to understand. And uh, I think what people need to to realize is it's really a simple concept, but because it's not well thought out uh, or well talked about, people are going to think it's complicated, but just every, all the listeners should think about it as being a simple concept. Absolutely. And I love that idea that we are going to try to make this as simple as possible so it can be relevant to you and help you increase your profitability and do better all around financially. So let's set the stage for this conversation. You want to improve your profitability, but is there a better way than just spending a bunch of money and believing the expansion is going to create additional production, which then will generate revenue, which then will hopefully lead to a profit? And I would say, yes, there is. So economic value added is a concept that was originally adopted by Coca-Cola, AT&T, Quaker Oats, CSX, and a company called Briggs & Stratton. And this was back in the 80s and 90s. And as they implemented this accounting measure, it resulted in an overwhelming increase in profitability, also increased the value of their business and their shareholder stock price. So it led Quaker Oats to actually shift their production schedule. They were doing a lot of promotions at the end of each quarter. And then because of the promotions, they had a huge spike in production. They would then have to have this additional product stocked over in big warehouses and needed a lot of capital, human capital, um, labor to be able to handle all that product. But then other portions of the year, it was just sitting idle and empty. They realized that instead they could have more consistent production. They actually stopped the end of year promotions and they then had more consistent stocking, fewer warehouses, which reduced their real estate costs. It also reduced their human resources and staffing and lowered their overall costs and boosted their profitability. Again, another company, CSX, that used this was a train company and they ended up realizing that their trains were coming into a particular station, and they were waiting for several hours to be unloaded. And so instead of running so many trains so quickly, they actually ran fewer trains. They ran them more slowly, which then arrived at the station later, had less lag time, and actually increased the productivity of each dollar at work. They ended up lowering their fuel costs, the number of containers, trailers, and locomotive fleet, 
and they actually boosted their freight volume. So these moves were made because these companies paid attention to something called economic value added. And we wanted to just lead the conversation by showing you how productive and profound they were in causing shifts and changes in the operations that increase their profitability. So now over time, different consulting firms have called it different names, but it was Stern, Stewart & Company out of New York City that popularized the term economic value added. So today we're going to answer a few questions for you because this might be something that you have had come across your radar so far and maybe not, but either way it's going to help you improve your profitability in your business. So we're going to answer what is economic value added, why is it important to me in my business, how do I determine the cost of capital, what should I do to increase my EVA, economic value added, and profitability, what is the connection between infinite banking and economic value added, and how does infinite banking improve EVA? So today's conversation, as we talk about economic value added, will help you accurately assess and increase your real profitability, increase the value of your business, and give you a competitive advantage in your market. Now, where does this fit in the cash flow system? First, you have this foundation to help you be more efficient. First, you have this foundation to help you be more efficient and keep more of the dollars you make. Then you want to protect those dollars. And finally, you want to get your money working for you, increasing and multiplying. Now, profit maximization through economic value added is something that happens in stage one, and that's your foundation. And I like to say, as you get more of your dollars that you're making, that will be kept in terms of your cash flow, so you're keeping more of the money you make, it's almost like you have more fuel going into your time and money freedom machine. So that's what we're doing by improving economic value added and maximizing profit. We're keeping more of the dollars we make so that you have more to save, more to invest, and more to build time and money freedom with. So let's dive in. So as we start, what is economic value added? Bruce, do you wanna kind of share just in your own words through your research, how you would boil that down? Well, all capital has a cost. And it just seems to be that when we actually uh, borrow that capital in a form of a loan, people pay a lot of attention to it. But if that capital is obtained through investors or through um, your own uh, um, saving of, the, of your profits over the years, then people don't seem to value it as much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can, I can use a couple examples. You know, I, when I had my auto repair place, I actually bought a very expensive um, muffler. I've used this example before, but a muffler uh, bending machine to do uh, exhaust. And I, I just let it sit there and I let it sit there and I let it sit there. And every once in a while, somebody would come in and want, want something and I would use it. And, but I never thought about, well, I got to get this thing marketed because I wasn't paying any interest payments. So I, was, I wasn't really worried about it. I, can, I see this every time I walk into a business, it's kind of a curse because I look around and I think, well, how much capital do they have? Mm -hmm. Rest, restaurants, I see this all the time. You know, I'm thinking, why do they have this much space? And then, of course, I occasionally ask a manager when I – I said, you know, how often is this filled up? Oh, well, we fill it up on Friday nights. Well, what about all the other times? So they, mm -hmm. they pay, and, and then I ask them if the building is paid off. And a lot of times it'll be paid off. And so 
they don't have that expense. Well, if they would, if they would actually lower their uh, amount of square footage to where it's mm-hmm. appropriate for all but Friday night, even though they would lose some revenue on Friday night, the overall cost of that capital uh, that they use to buy that huge building is, uh, would, would not be adding any value uh, to the overall bottom line. So it's yeah, well, really I think the profit, the profit ratio would increase then. You might have Correct. less revenue, but you also would have a much lesser expense and you'd have more utilization. So more of the capital would be working harder more of the time, meaning that it's more productive. Absolutely. And that's the kind of things that every business owner needs to be looking at on a constant basis is the capital, whether you have an, uh, a loan on it or not, you need to see how you can use that capital in a more efficient way. I love that you gave that example in that way because really economic value added, if we really break it down, is this inside look at capital in your business and it really treats corporate cash or owner's equity or shareholder equity the same as borrowed cash. And the discrepancy is usually that, I mean, it's easy to see the cost of financing. You have to go to the loan to the bank, you have to get the loan, you have to pay it back on a schedule with interest. And so whatever you put that loan to work in, first of all, the bank is not going to give you a loan for something they don't think is going to be profitable. That would be too risky. Right. And then once you have the loan, you realize that you need that piece of production or that project or that piece of equipment that you financed to be productive enough to not only repay the loan principal, but also the interest on top of it. And then the interest shows up on your financial statements. It's part of your profit and loss statement. And however, if you use cash, it seems like it's free because you don't have an actual interest expense attached to it. And so a lot of times as we, as business owners, we use our own capital and we fund the business or we use shareholder equity or we use corporate cash, we think of it as free capital and we should not because cash has a cost the same way that debt financing has a cost. And it was that key insight that changed what all of these big companies were doing when they started looking at economic value added. And they said, our cash needs to work just as hard as our debt financing. And when they made that shift and they accounted for the true cost of capital, recognizing that cash actually did have a cost, they had to maximize their profitability and productivity of every single dollar at work in order to increase their economic value added, which is then what increased their stock price, their shareholder price, the, mm-hmm. the business valuation, and made all their assets work harder. So why is this important to you and your business? Why are we even talking about economic value added? I would say really it's because there is an opportunity cost of any type of financing that you use. And it's really important to recognize this. And we've talked about this before on previous episodes. Debt financing has a cost that is interest. But when you pay cash, Bruce, what do we always say? You're always paying interest, right? Yeah, yeah. you're always paying it. You're either giving it up or you're paying it. Right. So when you use cash, you are giving up the ability to earn interest not only today, but every day going forward in the future because you gave up that cash. So here's what's interesting. You can actually think of yourself more like a investor or a shareholder. And we know that this is a really valuable way to think about your business because Mike Michalowicz, as he talks about profit first, talked about thinking of yourself as a shareholder in the business. 
you are working in your business. You are putting capital into your business or your business is producing revenue that you're then putting back into the business. And if you think of that capital as investor equity, you would carry it with more weight because an investor who puts money into a business, say a similarly risky business to yours, would require appreciation and dividends. They wouldn't just say, well, here's $100,000, use it in your business, give me back $100,000 five years from now. That wouldn't be an investment. They'd actually be losing money because time value of money and inflation would actually make those future dollars worth less than today. And they could have gotten a much higher return if they'd invested somewhere else. So why would they invest with you? So we want to think about our own cash, our own capital inside the business as much with as much weight and value as if we were an investor investing into the business. Yeah. And I think for all the, um, for all the analytical people, we're just going to really go over this, how accountants look at, we'll go over it real quickly, how accountants. So they take the operating profit minus taxes and that's your net operating profit after taxes. Well, that's a, that's very common. And a lot of business owners know that. Then what they'll do is they'll, they'll subtract the weighted average of all the costs of the capital both the equity that you have, and this is what we're talking about here, the equity and the debt capital X, uh, cap X, which is then the total capital. And when you subtract that, not only the debt equity, but the, uh, the, the regular e- e- equity, then you end up with the economic value added that you can then calculate for uh, your people. What, so what, what should we do with this? To increase your EVA and profitability, there's, a, there's about three different ways you can do this. You can earn more profit without using more capital. And I think a lot of people try this, uh, but you always hear people say, well, I got to spend a lot more marketing or I got to add a person to actually a salesperson to drive up my revenue. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about finding efficiencies to earn mm-hmm. more profit without uh, spending any more capital. Which actually, part of the reason I shared those two stories at the beginning about Quaker and then CSX was that they actually ended up using less capital to do more work. And so I wanted to share those examples early and upfront so they can help us think through more efficiently the use of our assets inside the business. If you have equipment that's sitting idle, that's something that could improve profitability if you found a way to use it more consistently. So um, that's why I shared those examples. And then Bruce, you also shared at the beginning as well. So thank you for right, that. Right. You can use less capital and that's, that's what uh, I was talking about um, in a previous episode when a person actually uh, built out a lobby. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Instead of just realizing their main service was the buoyant float, not the lobby. So they could have been using less capital and then finally invest capital in high return projects. So you really need to know what you're getting for for each project. And if a certain project is not returning much capital, shift your capital from that particular project to higher return projects. And mm-hmm. that's, that's all often people talk about finding your niche um, within the different projects. So those are three ways that you can increase your EVA and profitability. Absolutely. So let's talk about real briefly, what is the connection between infinite banking and economic value added. And really, I've spent quite a bit of time thinking this through, and they're not, they're not equivalent concepts. They're more or less parallel ideas that run alongside of each other. 
So when we think about infinite banking, let's just step over onto that um, railroad track for a second. You have different options for how you purchase something. One we talked about is debt financing, which if you have no capital of your own, you, you finance with debt, you're going to have an interest cost. So that's an, op an option to finance and the cost associated with it. A second option would be to pay cash. In that case, you're giving up the interest you could have earned, so that is an option and the cost of that option. A third way to pay for something is to keep your cash and also finance. And this is the beautiful piece of being able to be the bank. So infinite banking allows you to do this very well because you have this pool of capital inside your specially designed life insurance policy, you have cash value, and then you're able to finance, which is actually borrowing against that capital. What this and, does... And Rachel, just, just to make this clear, you can do this with, we keep bringing this up, you can do this with other capital. Yes. You, you can actually do this with um, a building where you get a loan against the building or uh, a line of credit where you get a loan against the accounts receivable. However, as we continue, continue to say... When you do it like that, you don't determine the terms of the payback or the loans. Uh, the banking institution does. Correct. When you, when you become your own banker, you determine the uh, payback terms. Yes. And so the main piece that I wanted to share there in terms of opportunity cost, though, is actually the idea that if you're keeping your capital, then you're earning interest on that capital. You are continuing to earn uninterrupted compound interest or uninterrupted is another fancy way of saying continuous. It's not stopping. So as you don't give up your cash, you're continuing to keep earning compound interest. And we know that it's most valuable when you continue up that compound interest curve in the later years, not in the early years. So that's the value of being able to keep cash. And then as you're financing, what's happening is you are still continuing to earn interest on the money that you're keeping while you're paying interest for your cost of capital. You're never, ever, ever going to not have a cost of capital. The way you offset that is by also earning interest on other capital. So you're earning while you're paying for the capital. So that's one side. Now, the other way that infinite banking tremendously improves economic value added is this. I mentioned a little bit earlier, and Bruce, you did as well, that you're not taking out your cash value from the life insurance policy, right? you're actually borrowing against your cash value. And what does borrowing have attached to it? An interest payment. So what's happening is then you're thinking, well, I have this cash value in my life insurance policy. And as I borrow against it, I have to think about the cost of capital because that loan that I take from the life insurance company is going to require interest to be paid back. You pay back more than what you took out. So any place where you want to then put that cash value, you want to be thinking in advance about the profitability and the productivity of that particular asset. If you're going to take it out just to go on vacation, that's okay, but that vacation is probably not going to increase productivity to a point where you're going to have more money to be able to pay back a loan. If you use that cash value to invest in a piece of equipment, you're going to be wanting to think in advance about how efficient that, business, that piece of equipment will be and how much additional profitability it will make so that it will produce enough to be able to pay back not only your principal, but also your interest. And what's really interesting about taking loans from a life insurance policy is that 
as we talk about all the time, as long as you're not collapsing the policy, you actually don't have to pay them back. But we always recommend to have a plan to pay them back on a schedule with interest. And when you do that, you're setting yourself up to think in advance about the cost of the capital that you're using. So Bruce, one other thing that I would like to say about infinite banking as well is that you have the opportunity to be able to loan money to your company. And so this is something that we have not talked about before on the podcast, but when you have a policy, you can own it personally as the business owner. And it's almost like you're shifting money from one pocket to the other, because as a business owner, you have the money in your business and you have your personal money and you have a transition or you can flow money from one side to the other. So as the business owner, then you are able to loan money to your business. Say you needed $100,000 for a business endeavor or a real estate venture in the business and you had that in cash value in your personal life insurance policy. You could then loan that to the business. The business could then have interest that's paid back to you personally that's a deductible, a tax deductible business expense. And then on the personal side, it's usually not received as taxable income, the interest portion that comes over from the business. So what's really interesting about this is that it's a really effective way to be able to be the banker and to profit as well and have a tax advantage. Now you do want to talk with your CPA or tax strategist as we are not that, and you want to make sure that you do this correctly so that it's not taxable. Bruce, is there any other connection or piece that you want to bring together with infinite banking? And no, uh, uh, as we do this, as we do this podcast, uh, Nelson Nash has passed away about uh, two and a half weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And Nelson used to always, he had heart problems from all, from his fifties. He died at 88. And he used to always say, uh, blood must flow through your body to give it life. And he would say, money must flow through your business to give it life. And so I think when you think about this as capital uh, that is just sitting there not being used, it's not flowing in your, in your business, so it's not giving you life. So that's the simple way to just kind of sum up um, how today's economic value added um, topic should be looked at for all business owners. Absolutely. And thank you for honoring Nelson um, just with that comment as well. And I know that a lot of people are, um, have been impacted tremendously by his life and his work. And so it's part of the reason that we're here continuing on his work. So in closing, as we wrap this up today, how can you implement this? What can you do with this information so that you can improve your life and your business? First of all, just on an easy basis, value and respect the cost of capital and treat your own money as equally, if not more valuable than someone else's money. So then when you're using your own shareholder equity or your company cash or investor capital or a policy loan from your infinite banking policy, require profitability from that venture and repay the cash at interest or with dividends and set up a contract for repayment as a loan with a repayment schedule at interest. And if you do that, you're going to think through the efficiency of those dollars at work and if it is a good use of those dollars. I like to um, share this example. Say you had a, a family banking system. You had infinite banking and you possibly were even having multiple generations or family members borrowing from that cash value. Maybe your child wants to go to college. They can borrow from the policy and then have a contract with them to repay the loan after they graduate. 
And if they're thinking about that, they're going to think about how much capital is being required to pay for the college loan and then how much they expect to make in that profession after they graduate. And is it going to be an effective career endeavor for them to be able to pay back the policy loan? They're thinking of it in terms of economic value added in that case. And you can do this with your business or real estate or anything else within the family system. So another thing that you can do is to utilize the infinite banking strategy to store capital, allowing you to be the bank, continue earning interest, and minimize the cost of capital because you're not interrupting the compounding. And then if you want to figure out how to determine the best way in your own life to implement economic value added to increase your profitability, lower your cost of capital, and utilize the infinite banking strategy with that, go ahead and book a call with our advisor team today at themoneyadvantage.com. We'll have that link in the show notes. So today as we close, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Do you have an established business and make great income, but feel like you can never get ahead or just plain have financial confusion? Get the business owner's three-step roadmap to achieve time and financial freedom without working harder or sacrificing your lifestyle. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash roadmap to get your roadmap and free training. And when you register, you'll also get access to our ultimate money finder cheat sheet that you can use to recover lost cash flow and save on taxes. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk, and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.